Well, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and enjoy it. I don't know how we're feeling this morning. Are we still feeling like, like uh, the leftovers from Thanksgiving are kind of sitting a little heavy with us this morning, maybe, hopefully? Um, I, you know, one of the things that we have missed out on the last few years is we don't host Thanksgiving in our house. And we have done that before when we lived far away from our family. And, and we don't have any leftovers. And, it, and I know you just feel terrible for me. We can go, oh, you know, it's one of, yeah, oh, thank you so much. I felt, I felt the love with that. Uh, but we had a great time uh, with family and friends. Hope you did as well. I, I cannot believe, and I, I probably said this last Sunday. I think I said something about, I can't believe it's Thanksgiving this week. I can't believe Advent is upon us. Um, the, you know, the years just go by exponentially quicker every every time. And, uh, and I'm not going to be the guy who says that every Sunday, I promise. You know, but man, it, Christmas is coming once again. And so we look forward to Jesus' second coming, you know, during this, this season of Advent. And thank you to uh, Lori and Ruby for decorating and uh, using your creative talents and stuff. I mean, I love Christmas. If you don't like Christmas, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, no perfect people allowed. So you're here and, that, and, that, and that's great. It's my favorite time of year. Love seeing the lights and all that kind of stuff. And um, next week, we're going to start our Christmas sermon series, and we're going to look forward to you know, all the things that our Advent offering that Sarah talked about. You'll be able to find out more info about that uh, later on this week at velocitychurch.info. Um, we've got our Christmas Eve service happening at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Every once in a while, we get somebody who asks, what day Christmas Eve service is on? And I, I'm, I appreciate that some of you enjoy uh, why I chuckle about that. And we're going to have that on Christmas Eve, so just letting you know that. Uh, and speaking of which, too, thank you so much for those of the, you that have kind of pre-prepared for this season of Advent with Fresh Start for single moms and their children. Um, I just saw a really cool Spider-Man bike out there that makes me wish I was still a little boy. I mean, that, that's amazing. And thank you to so many of you who've contributed uh, for that and with that. Uh, we just, we just, uh, that's a beautiful thing to see, you know, people bringing stuff in over the last few weeks. And um, I, I, anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to Christmas and celebrating that and continuing that uh, with you guys. But before we do that, we're going to finish up this sermon series on being anxious for nothing. I, sometimes people come to the season of Advent, Christmas, and family, and all the things, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, I saw a couple people think, yeah, you know, we had this big argument with, with my family, and it's like, well, why do you bring up stupid things, you know, when you're trying to <laughs> eat, eat, you know, stop, stop doing that, you're not going to, you know, confronting your family over an issue during one time during the year is not going to help anything. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, maybe you're coming to the Christmas season, you know, like, there's so many different things in my life that are going on, I'm just kind of feeling anxious um, maybe it keeps you from, from feeling celebratory during this time. And so this is going to be more like the continuation of last week's sermon. So if you have not engaged in that and, and read the passage, I really want to encourage you to, to do that because there's some more context than what we're going to be talking about today about the passage that we've been uh, looking at. And uh, so this is how we're concluding this topic of anxiety and how we handle the stress of the what-ifs in life. And so our text has been Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. If you're feeling anxious at any time uh, or know that you will at some point in the future, I want to encourage you to memorize these verses. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all your understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember, Paul is writing these words from prison. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So last week we focused in on verses 4 through 7, the process that Paul invites us to join into when we are confronted by anxious thoughts and feelings about something in our lives. We're all going to have moments of anxiousness. It is a natural response uh, to life, and when they come, we need to be grounded to move forward, and so we rejoice, we pray, and we do those things with thanksgiving. Verse 4 through 7, Paul says, hey, when those things come, this is our response, this is our process, this is what we engage in. And as we mentioned last week, hey, the caveat here is we're talking about the normal run-of-the-mill anxiety that we all experience. There are anxiety disorders that not everybody has, but some of us do deal with. And so we, we engage in, you know, sometimes people come away and say, well, they told me just to pray, you know, and that, that's what it is. we talked a lot more <laughs> than just about that last week. And so sometimes the process invites us into godly counsel through counseling, uh, through relationships that we talk with, with, with other people. Sometimes there, we even add medication in as part of the process, just like we do when we have a headache, you know, to kind of help us to be in that place where we can do what God has called us to do and respond the way that we do. These are tools um, and avenues that we pursue that don't make us any less filled with faith. They don't make us any less a Christian or disciple of Jesus, but they are parts of what we do uh, to desire to guard our hearts and minds with God's peace that goes beyond our understanding. In a book that I will mention later at at the end of the sermon, um, you know, the author just kind of points out that mental health problems and and these, these anxiety things that we deal with, they come from a complicated interaction of cognitive, behavioral, biological, and environmental factors. And that combination causes us to struggle in our lives because we live in a world broken by sin. And even if we have, you know, one, one of these things perfect, you know, and only one of these things is kind of messed up, it can change things, it can mess stuff up in our lives. It's just the reality that we live in and exist in as human beings. And, and we've got to be prepared for that. We've got to know that it's coming and it's the reality that we face. It's why even when we live in our sweet spot, we can get hit with anxious feelings and anxious moments in our life. Last week, too, I also talked about how we live in a culture in which we just live the wrong way. And if we just kind of go along with the flow, the way that everybody else is living around us, which is normal, right? We live in the culture, and so this is what we do. This is how we, this is how we operate. It's pr- probably, you know, we're going to feel anxious because we live in a society that thrives on anxiety. Even during the season of Advent, when the regular family stuff and the life anxieties that exist, as if they, those aren't enough, you, you know that we commercialize anxiety, right? I mean, that, that's something that we social engineer. When I say we, the culture, I'm not saying you and I necessarily. But our culture participates. Actually, that could fit. That could fit a little bit, but participates in commercializing anxiety to sell product and get ad revenue. So here are all the things that you don't have, and it's Christmas. And if you did have it, you'd be happy. Or if you got this for this person in your family, they'd be happy too. So make sure, make sure you spend all your money and, because that's going to be the thing that, that makes everything better in your life, an empty bank account and credit card debt. It helps to have just a little bit of awareness that these types of messages don't really help our anxiety baseline. I mean, they, they elevate it. They make it much worse. Tie on unrealistic expectations, people being selfish, everything that we do being offensive, and no wonder anxiety is on the rise. Mute the commercials. I mean, they're 
like most commercials, if you ask yourself, are they lying to me? <laughs> the answer is probably going to be, yeah, yeah, they're being deceitful. You know, this is not necessarily going to be the number one product in the world. They are shocked, right, that that happens. Sometimes we need to ignore the headlines. Again, social engineered anxiety to get you to generate ad revenue for a company. And I'm, I, you know, in general, it doesn't mean that there aren't people who are actually trying to, you know, be helpful or give us the news, but man, there's so many things, so many things at odds when it comes to our anxiety baseline in life. So here are the things that makes us more, makes us more anxious. An unsustainable pace. Our society, our society lives in an unsustainable pace, and so if we kind of do what everybody else does, we're going to experience the same thing. So we hurry everywhere, which makes us stressful about everything. We eat terrible food, we get terrible rest, and our health suffers. That unsustainable pace doesn't help our anxiety at all. Uh, we have unrealistic unre expectations, unreasonable expectations, and unrealistic too. That, that kind of works too. So both of my faux pas, verbal faux pas, have, have worked this morning. Uh, we have wrong focus about what's important in life, and so we pursue things that don't really matter in the long run, or we, you know, things shouldn't be this way. I have to correct everything. I'm supposed to have these things. Our wants overpower our needs, and so our unrealistic, reasonable expectations that we have. A self-isolation, and this is more than just being with someone physically, but we have just become so much more individualistic as a society, where it's about me, and it's about myself, and it's about what I want, and what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. And so even when we're sitting with people, you know, we've talked about this before, we can be at a restaurant and you look around how many people are actually spending time with the other person versus being self-absorbed in their phone. You know, it's just that something that we have not realized is that we are separating ourselves from community as a culture and it's not helping anything. And all these things are leading to us forgetting God. Where we can go about our week, we can come Sunday, we can worship, we can praise, we can be in our small group, we can serve, and yet when we're everywhere else, we can forget God because we're living at a different, different uh, pace, we're living in a different level. And it's easy to get caught up in this. You know, when we spend 34 hour, 40 hours on social media or even more on entertainment and TV and being discipled by people on YouTube and Twitter versus how God calls us to live. All these things we are encouraged to do if we just kind of go along with the flow in our culture, and it makes us more anxious. And right now, some of you might be thinking, okay, Rob, you, all, all you're doing right now is making more anxious, thinking about, you know, talking about being anxious. You know, so that, I don't know how much this is helpful. Well, you know, one of those natural anxiety-inducing questions are, what do I do about this? You know, because that, that makes us feel anxious. It's like, I don't, I don't know what to do next, so what, what do we do? And so in verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4, four Paul gives instructions for a heart and a mind guarded by our Lord and King and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, keep in mind, like verses 8 and 9 aren't just limited to a response to anxiety. So Paul doesn't say only do these things if you're feeling anxious. But this is a general rule of life for how we approach our living. The command and direction here is how we develop our character and our thinking is a large part in how the Holy Spirit empowers us to not be in a constant, continual state of anxiety. So, verses 8 and 9 of Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes, and I know we read this before, but really listen in to what he says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
So, so this is the context in which we think about our thinking. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen to me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul says, think about your thinking. And what is it leading you to put into practice in your life? As much as I love the convenience of Amazon Prime, I don't know how many of you are with me on that. I, I, you know, I'd love to be able to go online and say, oh, it'll be here the next day. That's, that's amazing. And I don't have to drive into town. For us, we have to, we have to drive into town for things because we live out in the boonies, uh, which, which we love. Uh, but I can order something, and it will show up at my house the next day. That's an amazing thing. But I have a, I have a little bit of a problem. Some of you that know me well uh, know that I have a little bit of a... a a control, a thing. I like to be in control. I don't know. Some of you don't know that about me. And one of the things I like to control is the item that I get because not everybody has the same quality control standards that I do. So I'm the kind of guy who will go in, if I'm in a store, I'm, I'm looking at the shelf, maybe it's a book, you know, or some other thing. I will go through and I will look at all the books that I'm, that I'm looking for and I'll look for the best one. Does anybody... Am I alone here? Oh, okay, thank you for, for the solidarity. Uh, we, you know, we have a support group after church in the lobby. No, I, I, I'm just kidding. But I, I will go through it because I want to, hey, if the corner is dog-eared, you know, if there's a rip on the cover, if there's something messed up, you know, somebody went in and I don't know why, but I think there's some, you know, vicious person who's going through and randomly writing in, in new books or something. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'll flip through all the pages because I want to find, I want to find the, if I'm going to spend full price for it, you know, I, I want to make sure I get the best one. So I'll do that with other things on the shelf. I want to look, does it have a ding in it? You know, does it have a scratch or that kind of thing? Because, hey, my, you know, quality control. I want to make sure I, I, get, I get what I'm paying for when I take it, take it home. I want it to be in great shape. So when I'm ordering online, sometimes I get something in and I'm like, hmm, especially if it's a book or something like that. That's not the one I would have picked off the shelf. You know, it's a, it's a little dog or maybe during shipping, you know, I got messed up just, just a little bit. I'm like, oh, it's not perfect. You know, and that's, that's what the book is for, right? To sit on the bookshelf and look at it while it's in perfect shape. Um, small joke there, small joke. Uh, I, don't, I don't want it to be messed up. I don't want it to not function. I don't want to be a piece broken off or any of that kind of stuff. And so that quality control person means a whole lot to me. Uh, and, and I want them, I don't know if I'd be a good quality control person because of how I feel about that. I don't think a company would keep me. It's like, no, sorry, this has a scratch. No, come on, man, that's, that's, that's okay to ship out. Uh, it still functions. Um, but it saves me from a huge headache of having to be like, oh, do I keep this or not? Or having to ship it back or, or heaven forbid, have to go and stand in a customer service line uh, and wait to get it exchanged. Now, of course, it goes even much further beyond that as well, even much beyond just me. That quality control person um, also helps to protect the reputation of the company making the product too. So there's a, there's a deeper, there's a bigger, larger role at stake. I was shopping online the other day, and I was looking for a particular brand and a particular model of a product, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I was looking at all the usual suspect websites and looking for this thing. I was going to order it, and I just, I just couldn't find it. Um, everything said out of stock. And so I looked up and I said, hey, why is this? I just assumed it was a supply chain issue or something like that. Why is this item not in stock? And I found out that last year they went bankrupt. It's like, and it was a name brand that there was... How is this even possible? I mean, they've been around for decades, for hundreds of years, you know, what, however long it's been. How could they possibly go bankrupt? And I looked, and they were talking about how this company had bought it, and they cut costs and cut corners, and the quality really suffered, and finally they just couldn't pay any of their bills. 
It's like, man, that is crazy how that happens. You can take this reputation, this name, and just kill it. And it'd be in horrible shape, so much to the point where they can't even conduct business anymore. When it comes to our anxiety, a lot of times what we have is a quality control issue. There are times when we have unwelcome thoughts that come into our thinking, and they start up those anxious feelings, and those what-if questions, and they they send us to that huge headache. And that's the moment where we need quality control. Actually, we need quality control before that, but that comes here a little bit later. Listen, we can't control when the unwelcome thoughts come, when the anxious feelings start, but along with the help of the ever-present Holy Spirit at work and indwelling within us as disciples of Jesus, we are quality control for whether or not those anxious thoughts go into production and whether or not they are going to define the quality of our thought life and what it produces. And we've got to be quality control for our anxious thoughts. We decide what thoughts get through to get our time and effort. Again, it doesn't mean that we, can't, we can keep unwanted thoughts from coming in to our lives. Sometimes those are introduced by external circumstances that we can't control. But we, what we work to do through the power of the Holy Spirit and putting what Paul talks about into practice is we, we go into quality control mode and say, hey, what are these thoughts going to produce in my life? The standard of quality that Paul gives us in verse 8 is whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, these things, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy. That's, what, that, that's the category here. So we're only going to, be, we're going to be focused on these things. Those are the thoughts that are going to get through and be put into production that we're going to send out and it's going to develop our reputation for how we think about our thinking in a godly way. This is the baseline from which we develop our thinking. And what makes anxious thoughts so difficult is that when these things are ambiguous, you know, that in our life we don't understand, we don't understand why they're happening or what's going to happen next, um, we understandably feel the need to fill the void. When I, I don't know... <laughs> comes along, you know, the what, if, I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going to happen. So I've got to figure out all the what ifs, this natural process that we go through in our thinking. We mentally start to prepare for the eventualities. And sometimes those eventualities become something we obsess over. After all, we want to be prepared to solve the problem. Even when we don't even know that there's going to be one. And part of that comes from that thinking of, you know, we're, we're isolated, we're alone. And so we've got to develop a solution for something we don't even know that's coming. And we kind of forget that God is there and says, hey, I'm, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. So again, a pretty natural response, but when it starts to affect our quality of life, um, or maybe even before we recognize that it has, Paul tells us we've got to run it through this quality control of our thinking. One of my favorite questions to ask um, in pastoral counseling, or I'm having a conversation with somebody who's you know, dealing with something that's going on and, and the, thought, the anxious thoughts that they have, the what ifs, uh, is to simply ask, is it true? Well, that's, that's not the point. You know, I, I got to prepare. You know, what, what, is, what, what if this happens? What if that happens? Is it true? I mean, the answer is, is no. Probably not. Kind of like when we respond to a commercial or a headline, you know, is, is that true? It's like, no, I read it and I studied and looked into it. And it's, no, it's, it's not, not really that true. Of course, that's only a part of the equation. It's not about force of will to, to somehow stop ever having anxious thoughts ever again. That would be great, but it wouldn't necessarily keep us alive, you know, sometimes. But it is about replacing those anxious thoughts with truth that is much more powerful. So it centers us and it grounds us on what, what do we know to be true, and let's work from that foundation rather than something that we don't know 
if it ever will be true. And when we start thinking about what God ensures for us is true, what he promises and what he, he holds up on his end of the bargain, we begin to see that anxious thought in a different light, that what if becomes replaced by what is. Some of you remember that from last week. And so here's a quick rundown of this excellent and praiseworthy thinking list that Paul writes out. So true. So we, we can put that, that list uh, back up on, on the screen. Um, is, is my thinking about this anxious thought valid? Sometimes we assume that, I, I don't know, like, oh, I'm an incredibly intelligent person, so I'm only going to think things that are, make sense. Sometimes the things that we think just don't make sense. And so is my thinking valid? Am I being honest? And is my information reliable? Or is it noble? Is this anxious thought worthy of my respect? Would other people, you know, respect it if they know I was thinking it? It's helpful to have a godly perspective and wisdom from others here. But this, does, this deter, does this deserve my time and my effort? Is it worthy of respect? Is it right? Is my thinking just? Sometimes our anxious thoughts come from a, a broken place where sometimes our thoughts about ourselves, our personalities, that, you know, they, they come and they developed from, from sin. Not, not, sometimes it's our sin. Sometimes it's from the sin of others. And, and so sometimes we need to, hey, does this, is this just? Is this how God views me? Is this, does this make, make sense in that context? Is it pure? Am I being morally righteous in God's will and way of thinking versus my own limited way? Is it lovely? Is this a pleasing thought, one that leads to some amiable resolution, you know, the, the picture of life that God calls us to? Is it admirable? Does this measure up to God's standards? Because that's what we admire in life and give time to. This isn't solely a response that we have to anxious thoughts. This is a baseline from which we develop our thinking as a whole. It's a comprehensive way of looking at life and thinking about our thinking, which in turn prepares us to perform better quality control when those unwelcome anxious thoughts come knocking. God's excellence and his praiseworthiness sets the standard by which we think about our thinking. And then Paul says this in verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. A lot of times I think if people just knew better, if I just knew better, then I'd do better. That's not always the case, though. There have been plenty of times in my life where I have known better, and I have just not cared. I don't know if you're, you've ever had that experience. I, I knew exactly what I was not supposed to do, and I did it anyway. And so this can't just be an intellectual exercise. We can't just know better and, and go from there. Okay, now I know better. It's fine. I can move on and kind of do this, do, go about life. In fact, the truth of the gospel is undermine our lives if it's, accompanied by inaction. So Paul says, hey, you know, here are the things that we need to think about. Here, here's the way that we need to think about our thinking. We also got to put it into practice. And so Paul says, as a, as a teacher, as someone who's discipling others, I'm putting it into practice in my life. And so you can, you can look at me and model your life a, after mine. Not, not that Paul is saying that he's perfect and never gets anything wrong, but as a general rule, hey, this is how you should approach things. There's a reason why I'm living life this way. And this is why I'm teaching these, these things. Living in a continual state of anxiety can be paralyzing for us. And Paul says, hey, we, we got to put these things into practice. So whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, this is how we need to live as a disciple of Jesus. That's going to be helping us put those excellent and praiseworthy thoughts into being 
and into practice. Quality control doesn't exist to keep product from ever leaving the assembly line. It exists to help best fulfill the mission of the producer. And so please don't ever think that because you are anxious or wrestle with anxious thoughts that you are ever any less than for how God desires to be with you and to work in you and to show Jesus to others through you. Your presence and your participation and your purpose are invaluable as one, who, as one who is made in the image of God, and no anxious thinking can lessen that truth. It can make you feel differently, but it's not true. And so Paul says, think about these things, allow them to shape your thinking, yes, but then put them into practice. Just as I'm teaching these things, just as I'm modeling these things in life, when we do the same, we have the promise that the God of peace will be with us, the God of peace, the God who created peace, the God who sustains peace, the God who wants peace, for each and every one of us. And so here's the one thing that I wanna ask us to do this week. I want, us to, I want us to take one step to work on maybe the anxious thing that you can think of right now to lessen the anxiety that you have in your life. What anxious thought or action is not living up to the standard of godly living that Paul, Paul gives us? And take that one thing and even you know, look back at the anxious habits that we have as a result of li living in our culture, the unsustainable um, pace, the unreasonable expectations, the self-isolation, the way that we forget God. And take that one thing, maybe one of those things that's, that, that we know is an anxious habit and replace it. Don't just get rid of it. Some, sometimes we think, oh, I just need to stop doing that thing. No, you need to replace it with, with good behavior. And re replace, maybe, it's a, maybe, you, um, maybe you're too hurried. And everywhere you go, you're speeding because you're late. Or, you know, maybe you've just been eating like trash. You know, or maybe you just haven't been going to bed at, at, a, at a reasonable hour. Um, what's that one thing that you can change? Maybe you have an unreasonable expectation. I should be making this much money. Or we should be able to spend this much on Christmas. Or we should be able to do this for vacation. What's that one thing that you can remove and replace? Or maybe it's self-isolation where you know, I've been, man, I've been really focused on myself lately or I just haven't taken the time to reach out to anybody else but I expect people to reach out to me. You know, whatever that thing, what's that one thing that you can replace with godly thinking? Or maybe, maybe there's some, something in your life during the week where you're like, I'm forgetting God here. And so how can you, how can you replace that one, one thing? What do you need to replace? And give yourself a week Maybe a week off from that thing that you need to replace, that unreasonable expectation or unsustainable pace. Um, give yourself a week where you say, hey, I'm going to remove that and I'm going to replace it with the way that God has called me to approach life. I just want to give you a couple uh, resources as we close this sermon in this series. Um, there are a couple books that I'm going to put on the screen. One is Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado. This is a devotional reading. And so um, just in general, if you want to dive a little bit more into the ideas of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 specifically, um, you, can, you can pick that up and read that. Um, also, there's the book. Uh, I read a quote from that earlier in the sermon, Things Might Go Terribly, Horribly Wrong. I love that title. And that that make you feel good, right? Um, and uh, this is a, a pretty accessible counseling mental health read. So this is going to be a little bit more into the uh, mental health realm of like dealing with anxiety and, and thinking about it. Um, also want to encourage you to read the Bible. You know, one of the ways that we develop our thinking and how we think about our thinking is knowing what God has to say about how we approach our life. And so if you're not in the, in, um, in the Bible regularly, um, you're going to have more anxious thoughts and feelings about 
and what God might be up to and what's going on in our life. And so there are actually Bible reading plans specifically on version that you could read about and more uh, what, what, a, what the Bible has to say about anxiety. There's a reading plan called Anxious for Nothing that you could read through. It's a seven-day reading plan. And so I want to encourage you to do that. There are a couple of Christian counseling agencies that I have uh, personal uh, experience with and um, knowledge about, met the directors and kind of know what they're about. And so I just want to put those on the screen as well and encourage you um, if there's something that you've got going on uh, that, that, you, uh, that you check in with them, uh, set up an appointment. And, and just, just so you know, I'm available for pastoral counseling as well. It's, pastoral counseling is different from mental health counseling. Just to, just to throw that out there. And so I'm not saying I'm a mental health counselor, but I'm a pastoral counselor. And so if you're struggling with your faith, if you're dealing with some what ifs when it comes to God and your relationship with him, um, I'm here for, for that. So I will buy you coffee, uh, lunch. Uh, we can meet in the lobby after service. Uh, we can pray together. Um, please, please, uh, please reach out to me and let me know. Don't, don't do it on your own. Don't, don't isolate um, about that. And maybe... Maybe the big thing for you is, is this, this, just this general anxiety of, of life. She's like, oh, man, I just, I just really just don't know where I am, my purpose, my meaning, my direction, all those kinds of things. Maybe for you, maybe the one thing that you need to replace or you know, change some, something for you is maybe just finally saying yes, yes to God. Um, maybe you've been delaying that, maybe you've been putting that off. Maybe, um, maybe it's just something you've never considered before. Um, and, and you don't realize that, that there's this general baseline of anxiety that you've been living with spiritually that, it, that it's time to remove, you know, and change that and replace that. And so I, I just want to invite you, hey, you know, we're, we're here and we're ready for you to say yes. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you never said, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my sins washed away. I'm going to start a brand new life. Um, maybe, you know, stepping into faith and, uh, and knowing what it means to confess and to repent, to live as disciples of Jesus is just something that you're not, you haven't done before, you don't know about. And so I want to invite you, maybe, maybe that's the thing that you need to do. Maybe that's the whole, where the Holy Spirit is directing you. And so I want to invite you to, hey, let us know. Talk to me after in the lobby. Uh, let us know through velocitychurch.info. Hey, I'm, I, need to, I need to take this next step in my faith. Let, let me pray for us. God, it's very possible that either we are feeling as if a burden has become a little bit lighter or a little bit heavier right now. As we talk about anxiety, you know, maybe that's something that we don't, we don't really want to deal with, we don't really want to bring up because we're trying not to think about it too much. And God, I, I just ask that you help us to see how, how you are working through our lives, that even, even though we might not be able to see the end result, to understand and know that your presence, your peace that passes all understanding is, is there. And it is working and it is active. It is your promise to us that even if we don't know where to go next, you do. And God, we just ask you for strength in that. We ask, uh, we ask you to see how we're not meant to carry that heavy, that heavy burden on our own, um, that we can, we can lighten it with and for each other. And God, that if that burden is, is lighter for us, then, then we've got more space and capacity to help others in that. We live in a, in a culture that is not pointed and directed toward you. 
And so when we, when we live at a, at a pace and at a life and a trajectory that um, kind of goes along with, with everyone else, uh, God, help us to see where we need to self-correct and where we need to be guided back to that narrow path that leads to you. God, we praise you. We thank you for um, knowing what it's like to be us, that Jesus fully understood, was tempted just like us, but, but knows a path forward and he knows the way through, and was able to perfectly navigate those things. Help us to, to see how we might put the actions and life of teachings of Jesus into practice in our life so we can, um, we can see a path forward. We praise you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.